Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Today we're joined by Dr. Judy Lovitz, who specializes in psychoneuroimmunology and is a practitioner of relaxation therapy. Judy, welcome to the podcast. What is relaxation therapy? Relaxation therapy are techniques that are used really to try and balance the body, bring the body back and the mind back to a sense of balance. Um, So very often we are in a state of arousal, which we understand as stress or distress. And relaxation techniques, relaxation therapy allows us to come back to a state of balance for improved functioning so that we can do everything we need to do in a, in a more efficient way. Welcome, Judy. Thank you so much for coming on our Asana podcast. Now, you're a, a national expert in uh, psychoneuroimmunology, which is the science I understand behind relaxation therapy. Can you tell us more about this science and what does it mean? So psychoneuroimmunology is a very long word. We can call it PNI. It really is the, the evidence and the scientific research that explains how interventions like relaxation therapy can actually make a difference. And it looks at the connections between the systems that we know as our mind and all the systems of our body. So... People understand now, I think a lot of people have heard about the mind-body connections and mind-body health, and PNI, psychoneuroimmunology, explains how our mind and how our body are intertwined and intimately linked so that our thoughts and our feelings affect our immune system, our health and well-being, and conversely, our state of health, our immunity, affects our cognition, our thoughts, and our emotional states, our feelings, and they can't be separated. The the cells of each of those systems talk to each other. They tell each other what to do. And so if we are um, angry or frightened, then that affects um, the messages that are sent to Um, our nervous system, our thoughts, and those messages are relayed to our immunity. So it can have an impact on our ability to fight disease, our ability to stay healthy. Who do you find is commonly using it? Who's your audience for this? For relaxation therapy? Yes. Uh, Anyone. Anyone and everyone. So uh, I have, you know had mothers come bring babies to me saying my baby's not sleeping well I've put babies to sleep I've had uh, people in their 80s Um, so sleep is is a common condition that people um, 
um, eventually come for relaxation because they think, well, you know, other things aren't working as well as I would like or I need more help with my sleep. Um, uh, uh, students, so to combat that peer pressure, exam anxiety, stress of being a student, um, you know, parents, new parents who aren't getting enough sleep. Uh, so really anybody can, uh, whether they're mobile, immobile, um, I think if you're alive, you can benefit from relaxation therapy. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful um, confirmation of how connected our mind and body is. And over the 20 years that I've been a GP, cert certainly I've seen a lot of patients, uh, you know, come to that realisation. Um, in many ways, when you are stressed, um, you get run down, you get, you get sick. Um, mm. And I love these uh, validation studies. Um, back in medical school, we, we did all sorts of experiments. One that, that I, I didn't participate in, but I, I read elsewhere was medical students who are sick. Um, you know, they would have a, they would uh, experiment on lacerations and it took t twice or three times as long to heal. So because of the mental health conditioning or state that you're in, it can certainly affect the, the physical uh, health and your uh, body's ability to heal from uh, sickness as well. So uh, in everything that we do, um, which is looking at the evidence behind things, uh, it's uh, great to see that this field is coming to the fore and has so much evidence behind something as simple as, you know, relaxation. It, it really is. And the evidence, I mean, again, 20, 25 years ago, uh, there was a considerable amount of evidence, but now the research is, is being churned out. It's, it's, and it's quality research. So a lot of it looks at uh, five, about five or six major chronic conditions. So anxiety is a common one. And we look at relaxation techniques like regularly taking slow, deep breaths. The evidence for the benefits of regularly taking slow, deep breaths to decrease anxiety is enormous now. Mm. Looks right down at the cellular, molecular, even what's happening with our genes. Um, pain, things like guided imagery and having images, positive images in your mind can and does reduce the perception of pain and then people can sleep better and think better have um, better emotional states so the links between our thoughts our emotions and our state of health are um, undeniable now and um, yes things like wound healing is improved with relaxation recovery from surgery is improved with certain um, forms of relaxation uh, the, the research is very strong and that's what psychoneuroimmunology shows us. That's great. And so, Judy, would it be right to say anyone who's had a procedure has had uh, trauma of any kind, including post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, pain, uh, anxiety, uh, insomnia, depression? Insomnia. Yeah, those are the yeah. uh, people living with those conditions would benefit from relaxation therapy? Definitely. Definitely. What about uh, what about obsessive coffee drinkers like myself who can't get to sleep at night? <laughs> uh, well, then we'd ha also have a look at the amount of caffeine that you're consuming. But um, certainly, uh, so one of the things to, to bear in mind is that relaxation as a therapy is complementary. So it works very well with um, 
medical interventions as well. Um, I object strongly to the term alternative therapies because it's not one or the other. They complement each other. You can use things like guided imagery or slow deep breaths as well as any other medical intervention. Um, very rarely um, are they contraindicated. Can you not use them together? Um, but I'd say no coffee after midday. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble. <laughs> Judy, I've seen, I've seen some of the footage of some of your sessions and it looks a lot like a guided meditation. Is there a link between uh, yoga meditation and, and those types of things and, and, and what you do? Um, so what I do is guided. I, um, I take people through the techniques. So if it's slow, deep breathing, I'm guiding them as to how to take those slow, deep breaths. And if it's imagery, I'm guiding them through, you know, that imagery. Meditation, well, yoga is different uh, in, it's hard to encapsulate, yoga uh, has a wide range of facets to it. So the, the physical asanas, the exercises, the meditation, it also includes breathing, pranayama, and uh, um Probably the main difference is that relaxation focuses on bringing the mind and body back to homeostasis, which is a medical term for balance, so that each and every one of our 11 bodily systems can really operate at their maximum capacity. Um, things like mindfulness encompasses relaxation, but mindfulness also looks at our attitude towards things and um, tries to reduce the level of um, being judgmental. Um, so relaxation uh, is a part of yoga, is a part of mindfulness, is a part of meditation, but it's uh, a pure way of um, reducing the effects of stress and distress and coming back to a, a balance. Are there different uh, applications for uh, mindfulness and meditation versus relaxation therapy, Judy? Um, I think one of the things about relaxation therapy is that once you've been taught properly, for example, taking slow, deep breaths, because using the diaphragm diaphragmatic breathing, most people tend to breathe quite shallow. Um, so once you've been taught how to really take slow, deep breaths properly, you can then use that technique once you're familiar with it during the course of your day. You don't have to sit or lie down and dedicate time to relaxation. You can do it while you're at the checkout at Woolies or Coles. You can take slow, deep breaths. Uh, while you're watching TV, you can take slow, deep breaths in a meeting uh, at work. Um, so it really is a way of um, using very simple techniques that can be incorporated into everyday living. Um, and uh, with certain techniques, you'll find that, like diaphragmatic breathing, it actually becomes... Um, automatic so you've trained yourself to take those deep breaths and it switches over to the autonomic nervous system you automatically take a few slow deep breaths without sort of um, concentrating on it and meaning to 
which is good because we need to oxygenate every one of those cells throughout mm. our bodies as much as possible. For anyone who's listening now, any any quick tips on what they can do to get started? Uh, well, through Osana, we run, um, for the members, we run uh, online relaxation uh, uh, once a week. Uh, I do think it's important to, to learn even something as simple as taking a few slow, deep breaths. It's ideal if it can be taught to the person first. But there is a way of doing it if you want to practice at home, and that is to have the image of a balloon in your mind, in your mind's eye. And as you inhale, your torso gets bigger like a balloon. And as you exhale, your torso becomes smaller. So I think that's perhaps the first step. Um, and I always start with taking slow, deep breaths. There are many forms of relaxation therapies, but taking slow, deep breaths is the simplest. And I would say that, that the primary uh, form. So imagining that your, your chest and your abdomen are getting bigger as you inhale, like a balloon filling with air, and then getting smaller as you exhale. The shoulders don't come up, they don't, uh, uh, aren't involved. That's just using extra muscles and, and straining. And, um, and doing it as smoothly as possible. So it's not a forced breath. It's a nice, slow, smooth breath, making your torso bigger as you inhale and then softer, softly exhaling and becoming smaller. And perhaps if people can use that, you know, a few little hints, um, the more you practice your slow, deep breathing, uh, the easier it becomes. And then uh, you're able to combat those difficulties, those stressful moments, that Sydney traffic, whatever is, is um, uh, problematic at the time becomes a little bit easier to handle both mentally and physically once you're used to taking those slow deep breaths. I can feel myself breathing slower now. Excellent. Starting to, starting yep. to get into a, a slower groove. Good. Wonderful. It's not, it's a very simple technique and it doesn't take long to be able to use it and become a, a um, accustomed and accomplished to it. I've, uh, I've promised Judy that I'll attend one of your classes. So I'm coming along uh, this week to it. So look, this but for those, for those of us not in Sydney, so you guys do telehealth, this is available online as well. It's available online uh, Eastern Standard Time, 4pm on Wednesdays. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Judy. Look forward to the session and then look forward to um, and continuing to work with you um, to help uh, everyone uh, relax, particularly during this pandemic. So thank you for uh, joining again today. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks, Saxon. Thanks, Judy. Bye now.